0: From KQED. from KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Michael Krasny. San Francisco Pride marks its 50th anniversary this weekend and although the COVID-19 pandemic has pushed events online, The celebrations continue. We'll hear about the programs, discussions, and performances on tap in California, and we'll reflect on the history and future of the pride movement. And as protests sparked by the killing of George Floyd and other African-Americans continue, we'll explore how the fights for racial justice and LGBTQ plus rights intersect and how activists are informing and supporting each other. That's all next after this news. Welcome to forum. I'm Michael Krasny. It's the 50th anniversary of LGBTQ pride this weekend in San Francisco. And while the pandemic may have canceled the parties and parades, the celebrations are carrying on virtually in this hour. We're going to hear from pride organizers in California about how you can join in. And as the nation continues to reckon with systemic racism exposed by the police killing of George Floyd, We'll also discuss what the movements for racial justice and LGBTQ rights have in common and how activists can further work together toward a more equal society. Joining us is Carlos Uribe, co-chair of Oakland Pride. And welcome, Carlos Uribe. Good to have you with us. Thank you for having me. I also want to say good morning to Carolyn Weisinger, who is board president of San Francisco Pride. Good morning, Carolyn. Good
1: morning. Thanks for having me.
0: Glad to have you and also glad to have with us Fernando C. Wifak Lopez, Executive Director of San Diego Pride. Welcome to the program.
2: Thanks. Good morning.
0: Good morning to you. And uh, Carolyn, I'm going to begin with you. Carolyn Weisinger, again, is Board President of San Francisco Pride. And this is the 50th anniversary of San Francisco Pride. No parade, but lots of activities planned. Online celebration from the 27th of June, uh, right on through that whole week, um, 13 hours of virtual programming. What are you going to do in all those hours, Carolyn?
1: We are going to attempt to do almost everything that you would have come to City Hall to see and do. Um, and that that's kind of been our, our big goal has been to pick up everything from City Hall and put it into a virtual landscape. So we'll still have performances. We'll still have DJs. We'll still have um, talks and speeches. Um, you'll be able to find our headliner for Saturday, Big Frida there. You'll be able to find our headliner for Sunday, Thelma Houston there. You'll be able to find a conversation between the creator of the TV show, Dear White People, and their gay character um, also there on Sunday. You'll also find a conversation between myself and Black Lives Matter founder, Alicia Garza. So we really are gonna try and pick up everything, including our community stages, and put it there on sfpride.org.
0: Yeah, I'm interested in the conversation you're going to have with Lisa Garza, who's been on this program, because I know that you've billed this as being in solidarity with Black Lives Matter and also uh, not only trying to bring George Floyd to mind in a very central way, but also a name that we don't hear enough of, in my judgment, and I'm sure you probably agree with that. That's Tony McCade, who is a trans man who was uh, murdered by police in Tallahassee. Uh, a lot of focus being put on all of that and a lot of awareness about it, Yes.
1: Yes, and, I, and for me personally, especially, that was a very big deal, was to continue to say Tony McDave's name, because there were a lot of organizations, LGBT organizations, who were, you know, having pivots to center Black lives, um, and were talking about being in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, and doing markets and such things, but a lot of them were still pinpointing George Floyd, and it's very important that if we as an LGBTQ community are not saying the names of our Black trans queer um, family members who are being murdered, honestly, no one else will do it. So it's been very important for me to say Tony McDade's name as often as possible.
0: And what are your hopes and expectations as we move forward, particularly when it comes to social and racial justice?
1: I mean, my particular hope, is, and it's a little bit different than some folks, I I've continue to say I'm 41 years old now, so I, you know, I've lived through the Rodney King uprisings. I've lived through the the hoodie movement after Trayvon Martin. I've lived through the "I Can't Breathe" T-shirts after Eric Garner. My hope is that we are truly seeing something that extends beyond a moment. You know, as I continue to say, you don't have to pivot to center Black Lives if you're already doing it. So that's my sincere hope. I I, I hope that the the Pragmatic part of me that says we've seen this before does not win out. I really truly hope that a lot of these organizations and communities, including our organizations, I mean, I won't be president forever. So I, I hope that all of our organizations continue to this this from a moment into really making sure we're doing a better job of centering and uplifting Black queer and trans lives.
0: Well, you're talking about what you've went through, uh, what you have experienced. Uh, you didn't experience Stonewall, but I know there's been an attempt not only with SF Pride, but with uh, Pride movements throughout the world really to go back to Stonewall and uh, the riots that occurred in 1969 in terms of uh, gay and lesbian liberation at the time. Uh, and there's a lot of protest involved in that. And there's certainly a lot of concern about police brutality and protecting the bodies of black people and their physical lives. Uh, it all ties in.
1: I mean, it absolutely does. And that, that's been also my party line ever since the demonstration started. You know, we started to receive, honestly, emails demanding we need to cancel pride and focus on black people. And I'm like, well, hold up. Black people have been here since the, I mean, we literally threw the first brick And the first brick was thrown to protect a black, it was the first brick was thrown by a black trans woman to protect the life of a black butch woman who was being violently detained by the police there at the Stonewall Inn. And I think that over 50 years, we have not done a very good job of telling that story. We have not done a very good job of, of telling the stories of a lot of the black, queer, and trans people who have played very important roles, not just in the LGBT movement, but going back even before that you know, to the civil rights movement, when you talk about the march on Washington, and a lot of people like to quote Dr. King, but they don't quote the fact that that was arranged by Bayard Rustin, who was a black gay man who was quite honestly pushed out of the civil rights movement because he was a black gay man. So there's so much history that we need to continue to, if we're not already saying it, that we need to continue. uh, The
0: woman that, uh, through the book, uh, the book, excuse me, is Marsha P. Johnson, I just wanted to mentioned her name and uh, there's been a lot of uh, sort of resurrection of the name Sylvia rivera who was a latina ex-woman uh, who was also involved in the protest movement at stonewall i want to um actually if i can uh hear from some of the others uh, who are involved in pride this week and uh weeks to come they're not all the same dates and celebrations in fact the oakland pride is going to be celebrated in september and uh let's get Car- uh, carlos uribe on who uh, co-chairs oakland pride and Carlos, uh, this is a sort of a whole program in September. What do you got planned?
3: Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, our Pride happens in September. Um, You know, this year we are doing September 6th to September 13th, so a week-long celebration that we'll be bringing um, programming online. We're going to be highlighting local artists, local performers, spoken word, even doing, you know, after-dark events, as we're calling them, um, and really gonna highlight a lot of what's in our community and really highlight the, the, the folks that, that build the movement here in East Bay and in Oakland. You know, we're gonna give uh, opportunities for, you know, areas of organizations like the LGBTQ Center here in Oakland to have some time on, on our uh, channels, we're calling them. We're really looking forward to it. We're, we're, we're gonna have about 12 different channels which would represent our stages at Pride. But in addition to that, uh, you know, having specific content channels that are going to highlight different communities within the LGBTQ plus umbrella.
0: I was looking back at uh, Oakland Pride, uh, well, back in 2014, I noticed, for example, the word got out that there were going to be no chaps or leathers, that it wanted to be family-friendly, pony rides and... uh, things of that nature, uh, the Jolly Trolley from Fairyland. Uh, And now, in the wake of the George Floyd killing and all of the sense of wanting racial justice, things have taken a turn. And I know, for example, you've been emphasizing more inclusion uh, of trans people of color and so forth, yes?
3: Absolutely. I mean, I think every year we as an organization kind of look at what we're doing, the work that we're doing, um, and who's showing up to Pride showing up for Pride. And we want to make sure every year we're looking at who are we not reaching, who are we not bringing in, who are we, you know, um, needing to highlight and what are the voices that need to be need to be lifted and raised. Um, So, yeah, absolutely. We every year look at how we can we can further, you know, the voices that need to be need to be highlighted in our community.
0: When you think about the movement and how it can evolve, you bring that in as well.
3: Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we, we look at the, the protests that are happening right now around the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, and we can't help to think that we, as a movement as well, are inextricably linked. You know, intersectionality is, is, is hugely important. Um, and, you know, we, we can be Black queer, and we can be, you know, indigenous and queer, and we can, you know, there, there, there are so many intersections, you know, not to say that this is the same fight, but the reality is that, you know, we fight the forces of oppression together, and we stand together to to fight these forces of oppression. Um, so, you know, solidarity, inclusiveness, and internationality are, are are really important to Oakland Pride.
0: And again, Carlos Uribe is co-chair of Oakland Pride. Let me bring uh, Fernando Z. Wifak-Lopez into this, executive director of San Diego Pride. And Fernando, uh, no police are invited. I mean, that was a pretty strong statement, I guess, uh, and kind of contrast to the fight that's going on with LA Pride where they were bringing the police in and there's been a lot of resistance to that. How'd you come to that decision and why?
2: Well, uh, thank you for asking. So here at San Diego Pride, uh, I was actually brought on nine years ago by our executive director at the time, who uh, is a gay black man and a son of a Baptist minister. And he brought me to Pride at the time help make this organization into a year-round education and advocacy organization and to leverage the resources that we had and the sort of outreach sort of leverage and platform that we had to communicate more of the social justice message of the LGBTQ movement. And so since then we have done a lot of criminal justice reform. We are the founders of the LGBTQ Black Coalition. Um, And so a lot of the work that we have done has been very intentionally focused on social justice work, very intentionally uplifting marginalized communities and the intersection of diverse identities. And over those years, there was a lot of conversation from, uh, in particular, our black and brown communities and our trans and non-binary communities about no longer wanting law enforcement in our events. And they were citing the very real lived experience and the data that exists about the disparity of the way that law enforcement has treated not only historically, but contemporarily, um, the folks in our our, our LGBT community and in particular, our black and brown LGBTQ communities. Uh, And so this has really been for us a very long conversation. We have talked over the long term with local elected officials Uh, with law enforcement, with community activists. And so with the recent sort of civil uprising that's been happening, those calls uh, to remove law enforcement agencies from having contingents in the parade and festival escalated. And so we got on the phone, we had a lot of conversations and came to the conclusion that this was the right thing to do, at least for now, that what folks are witnessing on TV and social media is trauma. And for a lot of folks, Uh, They didn't have to see that it wasn't part of their lived experience and now with social media and everyone having a camera on their cell phone It's really brought to light how traumatic these experiences are and what the lived experience of our black brown and trans community and LGBT community have been So uh, it was really an acknowledgement of the fact that currently law enforcement is not in alignment with our mission statement, which is fostering pride, equality, and respect for all lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender communities locally, nationally, and globally. And so maybe when they meet those expectations of treating us fairly, equally, and with respect, um, there might be a consideration in the future of having them uh, rejoin as agencies. But right now, we haven't prohibited any people from participating. People can come and participate. So it, just because they're a law enforcement officer doesn't mean they can't come and buy a festival ticket or march in the parade with the church or a school. You could have a gay black cop,
0: or... for example, right? Right. Uh, come so, in pedestrian uh, clothes, yeah. of course. But I, I just I want to also uh, give you an opportunity to let us know what you're going to be doing uh, because uh, it kicks off July 11th and uh, you got a lot of events that are planned, all of them virtual, right?
2: Yeah. basically everything Carolyn said <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're doing it all <laughs> so thanks for the thanks for the labor there Carolyn <laughs> I'm
0: glad Carolyn did your labor for you
2: uh, yeah, where everything that we normally do we're doing we have a huge women's event she fest on July 11th that's happening still and we're there's actually like four different segments of content that are happening um, simultaneously. So really, you're talking about 40 hours almost of content just on that one day that centers the LGBTQ women's community. We've got our Light Up the Cathedral event, which is our interfaith event, um, and this year, our keynote speaker is gonna be Reverend Naomi Washington Lippart, um, the Director of Faith-Based and Interfaith Affairs at the uh, City of Philadelphia. And who, she's done a lot of interfaith work and anti-racism work and work for the LGBT community. Um, we also uh, are awarding their Rev- Reverend Dr. Jaylee Hill who is a black lead pastor at the uh, Christian Fellowship United Church of Christ because in January of this year, we had seen the rise in hate and violence targeting the LGBT community and the black community. And so we really wanted to use a lot of our events this year to talk about those intersections of violence and discrimination and disparity. Uh, And then all of this happened this year and we were, you know, just sort of, okay, well we, this is what our programming already was. Um, And and so that's a light at the cathedral and and our Spirit of Stonewall rally is uh, what we do every Friday before pride and that's where we sort of honor our community leaders and talk about the movement work. To, to and Fernando, excuse
0: me, there's going to be a lot of honoring going on. There are a lot of grand marshals, in fact. And uh, it gives me an opportunity to uh, thank you for letting us know what's going on in San Diego. I want to bring Joe Hawkins into this, though, who's CEO and co-founder of the Oakland LGBTQ Community Center and who actually was a grand marshal, not only in the Oakland Pride Parade, but also the San Francisco Pride Parade. And uh, Joe, good to have you with us. Welcome.
4: Hello, and thank you for having me. I, I'm also the co-founder of Oakland Pride.
0: Yeah, you're somebody, in fact, who has quite a resume. I mean, what you've done in terms of AIDS activism, I wanted to get that out there because uh, you really deserve the props, uh, what you've done for supportive housing and tech training for low-income youth. Uh, you even managed to get yourself on the Oprah show. But I want to talk with you uh, about uh, uh, what's going on now with respect to... Uh, Well, the present uh, role of the uh, uh, Oakland um, uh, LGBTQ Community Center, it's uh, and and as you said, you know, you're not only co-founder, as I said, you're not only co-founder, but uh, they're playing a a big role in terms of pride uh, and also trying to be, again, uh, this theme that I keep coming back to, inclusive.
4: Yeah, I want to I want to I want to take. I want to first thank everybody who was on the panel, and I I want to make a, a statement that blacks have been slaves in America, on American soil for longer than we've been free. And so there are a lot of nuances in the queer community and intersectionality. For example, there are black prides in America that are a direct reaction and response to white queer racism. So, and we're seeing a lot of people talk about um, Black Lives Matter today in the queer community that weren't talking about that not too long ago. So I don't want to have a I don't want to give you any impression that we're all kumbaya here. Uh, even though the Civil Rights Act of 1964, I I, I, I respect. Our history and the throwing of the, the 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 brick or the rock or the pebble or whatever it was that Stonewall that people seem to not have figured out what really happened. But um, right now, we know the Supreme Court has stated that LGBTQ people are protected under under the Civil Rights Act of 1964 in the workplace and other other provisions under under that act. And that's directly related to what black people have done in this country. So the foundation of queer civil rights is what's happened with black civil rights.
0: Yeah. I'm looking at a tweet here, Joe, from a listener who says, uh, please don't ignore the name of the butch woman who started Stonewall, uh, Stormy, uh, Della uh, lesbians are getting erased with the latest pride discussion. Uh, does that resonate for you?
4: Yes, it does. And I think that what I, I like to focus on what I am very clear about for the, the fact that we're in a situation where the same week that President Trump revoked discrimination protect protections for trans people, two black trans women, Rhea Milton and Dominique, quote unquote, Remy of Pennsylvania, was murdered. And I, I heard the discussion about Tony McDade. Here in Oakland, our coordinator, who was a trans man, black trans man, organized the largest Tony McDade trans march in, here in California through the streets of Oakland. So it's, it's I, I, I think right now I'm glad to see everyone talking about this, even our even our pride through the whole, you know, Oakland has been seriously gentrified just as cities have been done across the country. And many of the, those, the black queer leaders who were a part of these communities have also been erased and replaced with white faces, white leadership, or non-black leadership. So I, I think that while we're all talking about black lives matter, black trans lives matter, black queer lives matter, dig into your histories and make sure you're uplifting those people who are uh who have made your place in these uh organizations possible
0: joe hawkins again a ceo and co-founder of oakland lgbtq community center and we should mention that that community center has been very actively involved in social change uh they have crisis hotlines they have support groups uh they actually help people pay their rent and get covet testing and uh, i'm going to give you who are listening an opportunity to join us uh, with any questions or comments you have how are you planning to celebrate pride this weekend and do you plan to protest and what about the links that we're seeing between uh well black liberation movement as it's presently manifesting itself and the black justice movement uh, particularly in the light of police killings and gay pride uh, and lesbian pride and queer and transgender pride. You can join us, and I invite you to do that with a toll-free number available to you. It's 866-733-6786. Please feel free to be part of the program. The number to call, 866-733-6786, or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email any questions or comments you might have to forum at kqed.org. And when it comes to gay rights and uh, gay equity, What comes to your mind and what comes... I'm looking at some comments here that I'm going to read, in fact, because things are coming to listeners' minds, and we want to hear from as many of you as feel you want to join this conversation. Lloyd writes, I've spent June spreading information, demonstrating the shared experience of the political movements of the gay and African-American movements linked and have the same goals, civil rights. While they may look different on the surface, each group has been a target of oppression. We should all understand how we are mutually connected in our pursuits for equality. Wondering, actually, I go back to you on this, Joe Hawkins. The listener is talking about civil rights. Remembering a distinction that Malcolm X made between civil rights and human rights. We're talking about both here, aren't we?
4: I think so. You know, I mean, the fact that we have to legislate people's rights is ridiculous and it's, a, it's a, in my opinion, a, it's definitely a manifestation of white supremacy in this country. But I mean, we're human, we are human, and we deserve to all have the same right as the other, the next person. So I agree with Malcolm X in that respect. But I also know that even in our own African-American community, black queer people are not treated equally.
0: Excuse me, we're gonna have to leave it there for the moment, Joe, because I'm coming up on a break. But when we return, We'll talk some more about this, and you're welcome to join the conversation. The number to call 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or share your thoughts through Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email questions to forum at kqed.org. I'm Michael Krasny. This is Forum. I'm Michael Krasny. We're talking about the Pride Movement today with Carlos Uribe, who's co-chair of Oakland Pride. And... Carolyn Weisinger, who is board president of San Francisco Pride, and Fernando Z. Weifak-Lopez, executive director of San Diego Pride, and Joe Hawkins, CEO and co-founder of Oakland LGBTQ Community Center and also founding member of Oakland Pride. And we do invite you to join us if you have some thoughts about what Pride means to you. You can give us a call right now or if you have questions or simply something you'd like to bring to the fore. Our toll-free number is 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter and Facebook. We're at KQED Forum, or email any questions you might have to forum at kqed.org. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention that there's a global pride movement also that's really trying to shine a light on global diversity, 24-hour marathon going on this weekend. It's international. It is also in response to uh, the killings of George Floyd and Tony McDade, and uh, it's demanding racial justice. There are people who are going to be featured in this, uh, like Justin Trudeau of Canada, uh, like Joe Biden, like uh, Mayor de Blasio of New York, uh, and it's it's a major event. It involves about 80 countries, so Pride is getting a great deal of attention on many different fronts, and uh, actually, Carlos, could you talk a little bit about the Global Pride event and what's going on?
3: Uh, absolutely. So uh, we're part of our global of Global Pride by you know providing some of the content um, for uh, for the the, the live stream to be going on. Um, really talking about what we're doing as Open Pride and how we fit into into the Global Pride movement. So it, it really is a collaborative effort that we're we're happy to be a part of.
0: And let's bring a caller on. Peter from Palo Alto joins us. Peter, welcome. You're on the air. uh, Peter disappeared. Actually, let me go to you, Carol Weisinger, because I think Peter was going to ask about corporate sponsorship and, uh, uh, express some concerns on, do you hear a lot of that, you know, uh, those, uh, in the movement expressing concern about all the corporate sponsorship? Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, and, and- of course, it's something that we talk about all the time in a a Pride that is as large and a parade that is as long as San Francisco Pride. And I think one of the gifts and the curse of, of the 2020 pandemic is that we now get an opportunity to take a break and rethink the way that we, you know, do pride, you know, the way that we pr- pr- produce the um, the celebration. And Well, I think forgive I'll- me,
0: hold on for a second. I think we have Peter back on the line. I'd rather he frame his question <laughs> specifically the way he wants to. Peter, go ahead.
5: Hi, thank you. I appreciate this. Um, so I was wondering, what are the policies for a corporation to become a sponsor? I'm primarily speaking to social media companies, but it applies broader. And, for example, I don't know if you've heard, but scientists funded by the Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan, have sent a letter to him about the spreading of misinformation and in incendiary uh, statements. Has Pride has a, had a dialogue with their
0: sponsorship as well. Yeah, thank you for that, Peter. Carolyn. So we do
1: actually have a sponsorship a sponsorship team that actually speaks with the the. Uh, organizations that actually sponsor the celebration i um, mean that is something that we have actually been talking about in 20 i'm sorry 2019 and 2020 is even though our sponsorship team does have their own way that they kind of vet and, and ask the corporations about, you know, what are your diversity practices, you know, what are your policies regarding um, domestic partnership and other sort of things. There are things that we can actually strengthen in the way that we actually vet those organizations and corporations that sponsor the parade. So that's something that we are actively working on. We, it's, it's kind of, we got thwart it thwarted a little bit by the pandemic. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things that we were all working on kind of stopped when we started making a pivot towards virtual, but that is something that does currently exist with our, with our corporate sponsorships, but that we do need to strengthen and we are actually working on at the moment.
0: Carolyn, could I also ask you to respond to what Joe Hawkins said about historic tensions in Pride and how it's not just a kumbaya moment, to quote him?
1: Oh, well, absolutely. And at first, I, I didn't know that Joe was on the call. I definitely want to give, as a, an African-American member of this Bay Area community, I definitely want to give Joe Hawkins his flowers while he is here on the call. Um, and, you know, it's funny, there was a, a an article recently with our San Francisco Pride's first Black president, Ken Jones, and he talked about historically how Pride has always had a diversity problem. Um, and one thing that I, one reference point that I keep going back to is there was a, an interview last year With David Johns, the president of the National Black Justice Coalition, he was on The Breakfast Club, and he talked about how communities, quote-unquote, gay communities like the Castro, like West Hollywood and Los Angeles, they weren't really created with African Americans in mind. Um, Things like the the Coming Out Movement, that was not for black folks. That, That was specifically so that white, cis, queer men could build and gain social and political power. And so in that, anytime you have any one group that's trying to gain political power, then that means that another group is being marginalized and oppressed. So I wanna actually go back to what Joe mentioned about the, the black pride. And I'm sure he'll probably date check me on this because I'm gonna get the dates wrong, but I, you know, I, even though I'm from okay. here in the Bay Area, I grew, I came out when I lived in in, um, Southern California and somewhere around 25, 30 years ago, there was a group of black gay men who decided that the pride out there was not for them and they created the black gay beach party. Um, And now you see things like Houston Splash, you see Atlanta black pride, you see all these prides that have sprung up out of the fact that they, the folks in those communities did not feel visible and represented. And quite honestly, a lot of times black queer people are seen as quote unquote ghetto and put out of spaces. This happens in our neighborhoods to this day. So it's, it's something that we see quite a bit. And when we had the Supreme Court decision um, last week, one thing that I spoke about is how before when we received the right for marriage equality, you know, people thought that that was the last bastion of, of rights for gay folks and they stopped fighting. You know, you don't get to stop fighting just because of one decision by the Supreme Court, especially one that was, as Joe mentioned, directly off of the backs of Black people who were hung and who were beat on bridges. And when in that same week, you were still seeing Black men found in Lancaster, found in Houston, found in Palmdale, hanging from trees. So there is that historical tension where you have folks who have that cognitive dissonance where they're able to put up a wall basically you know, they literally, there are people who literally see pride as just white people. They don't see the black folks in the community until one of us dies. So really, when I say I want this to extend past the moment, I'm saying I need you as a, a black lesbian woman. I need you to see that my folks are here. We've been here. We've been doing this work, work that you are directly a, a, a recipient of, and you need to acknowledge it and start breaking down those foundations of white supremacy that Really, the the movement still sits on.
0: Carolyn Weisinger again is board president of San Francisco Pride, and uh, let me bring another caller on here. Dell joins us from Oakland. Dell, welcome. You're on the air.
5: Hi, um, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. Been out since I was 18 years old. Been going to the Castro. Um, you know, fake ID and everything. Sorry to put that out there, but it was a, it was diverse. We had the Castro. We had Cafe San Marcos. That was diverse. Um, Then they started to hate against people of color. The Castro and most of the San Francisco gay community shut down all hip-hop clubs, all of them. So you cannot correlate being gay and being a person of color. Our gay community is stepping up now, but it's late. We should have been stepped up a long time ago when they shut down Café San Marcos because they were playing hip-hop music and too many people of color showed up. Now, uh, it's a big problem in the gay community. And as a white person who is surrounded by my community as people of color, I see it. And it's, it's, it's very apparent. So we need to step up as a community to support our community, which are people of color. This is our community. So- Bell, I thank
0: you for that call. Actually, I, Joe Hawkins, I, I didn't realize you would want it in before when uh, Carolyn was talking, but you might want to address this caller as well.
4: Yeah. Um, I want to thank Carolyn for her call. I actually had the longest-running hip-hop club in Oakland, and it, it was for 25 years. So she's exactly right uh, about the white community being anti-hip-hop. But I also uh, want to follow up uh, with, uh, Carolyn, with Carolyn, with Carolyn's, a few things that Carolyn said. Am I, am I is that the correct um Name? Am I, I don't want to mess up your yes, the, the name. Yes,
2: sir. <laughs>
4: okay. But uh, people need to understand that. I, lo- I love what you said about how white gay men have um, sort of reached their sort of apex in many ways through the gay marriage, uh, uh, to, for equality through gay marriage. And, and, and even with health care, because HIV and AIDS, among white gay men has plummeted. While according to the CDC today, one in two black gay men will be infected with HIV in their lifetime, one in two. And for brown men, the Latino population, one in four. So something, the way that inequality is manifesting itself in our healthcare is clear, even in Oakland, we're twenty. Black people are twenty-three percent of the population of Oakland now, or less, and we make up seventy percent of the homeless. A huge disproportionate number of those people are queer, and it, it because the white community isn't having this experience, it's not on their radar. So they, you, you guys can go out there and wave your flags and be all be all happy. But we're on, our house is on fire.
0: And let me remind listeners: Joe Hawkins is CEO and co-founder of Oakland LGBTQ Community Center and the founding member of Oakland Pride. And let me go back to Fernando wifeak uh, Lopez, who's executive director of San Diego Pride. You seeing these kinds of tensions down there, Fernando?
2: Uh, absolutely, we've seen these tensions um, as long as the organization has been around. Uh, we had our first. Uh, black and brown co-chairs in 1992. And uh, at the time, we had a separate Latino pride. We had a separate black pride. And through the 90s and early 2000s, this organization made commitments to hold intentional space for uh, the folks who at the time felt left out. And so that's why we have five different stages now. There's a one stage is called the movement stage which centers our LGBTQ Black community and is uh, the resource area there is hosted by the LGBTQ Black Coalition. There's also a stage within our festival grounds that's called the uh, Mundo Latino Stage, and the free resource area there is provided by the Latinx Coalition. And just last year, uh, we started the Queer Asian Pacific Islander Middle Eastern Desi American Coalition as well. And so uh, the The intentional work of this organization to uplift marginalized voices is in in direct response to the tensions that have existed. Um, And I think that's why you see us pushing so far ahead is, you know, we had uh, black and brown leaders uh, starting in the early 90s who really kept pushing for us to be better and do better for the marginalized
3: folks in our community.
0: Let me bring Carlos Uribe into this discussion. Carlos, you want to comment on this? Carlos Uribe is co-chair of Oakland Pride.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's you know, to to Joyce, Joe's point and Carolyn's point, um, and Fernando's point as well. You know, I think Joe, as being a, a founding member of Oakland Pride, has been able to to you know maintain um, a voice within the organization, and you know, we work closely together, and I'm, I'm appreciative of that uh, collaboration. You know, and and I think that is really uh, you know one of the things that that we as an organization have been trying to do. Um, you know, especially as, as as much as I have been involved, is ensuring that we are bringing folks, you know, into the conversation uh, and, you know, into the table and through the decision making process of, you know, what what Pride looks like. And we we work to make sure that Oakland Pride is reflective of our community, is representing our community, um, you know, and, and, and keeping to that. Um, and, you know, to talk about, uh, to touch on a previous point um, around corporate sponsorship, you know, I, one of the big of Oakland Pride that has been, you know, a, a, a tense point in the community is we do charge an entry fee for, for folks to come into Pride. Of course, no one has ever turned away um, for, you know, not being able to pay that entry fee of $10. Um, but it's one way that we try to keep our pride, you know, less corporate. Um, we, you know, we 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 maintain that to maintain the feel of a community of a queer community feel at our pride. Um, and we try to do that to ensure that we're inclusive and so that one corporation or the other isn't exactly moving um, you know, moving the agenda for our organization.
0: And once again, uh, Carlos Ribe is co-chair of Oakland Pride. There's a listener named Laura who raises a question and anybody on the panel who feels they'd like to respond to this question, please feel free to step up. Uh, Laura says, I feel it is of utmost importance that the hangings of black men in the last few weeks be mentioned. I don't know if any of the men are LGBT identified, but this needs to be talked about, acknowledged, and stopped. Because the problem is there's a mysteriousness about these, but nevertheless very disturbing. And uh, there was, of course, a major story... uh, at NASCAR with Confederate flags and a noose, and it turned out not to be a noose, and there were uh, nooses in Oakland. Anybody want to step up and talk about all this in the wake of all the God, pride that's going on and all of the celebration that's going on? It's, uh, it's certainly um, disturbing. Say Joe Hawkins? There is yeah.
4: no separation. I mean, I'm a black gay man, but I'm black. And so we can, how often do you get to hear about black gay men being hung, or black trans men being hung. Even in, I think the point of the discussion here is literally trying to put some focus on the fact that all black lives matter. We of course know what happened with George Floyd matters, but we're not hearing the other side of the story black gay men are being murdered black trans men are being murdered black trans women are being murdered and the the picture is much bigger than america knows and he, during pride month this is one of those times when we get to can, can bring it up to america to see how really bad it is
0: i'm glad you're bringing it up now cuz i think it is of utmost importance and i'm going to read a comment uh, actually a question From Andrew, to perhaps look at a different direction here for us to talk about, Andrew says, with the break in public celebrations, can we please talk about what we want as a people from Pride going forward? Incidentally, I fall into the group that rejects police presence and large sponsorship. I feel the Civic Center event and parade diminish the value of the people in favor of spectacle, entertainment, and profit. I'd like to see a reclaimed Pride march that actively rejects these items and promotes the beauty and honors the efforts of our community. Who would like to respond to that?
3: Uh, well, uh, I, I could respond in a sense that you know I think that's that's absolutely right. You know, we at Oakland Pride, you know, our board discussed Pride returning to its roots and redevoting itself to the defense of those who are most vulnerable amongst us. Um, you know, our theme this year is liberation through community, um, which we took from a quote from Black Core activist Audre Lorde. Um, where she says, without community, there is no liberation, but community must not mean a shedding of our differences, nor the pathetic pretense that these differences do not exist. And, you know, I think that for us, you know, the, the, the listeners right is, this is a time for us to reflect on what pride means for us, for our community. Um, and, and, and for Oakland Pride specifically, you know, it is, like I said, returning to our roots and, you know, looking at how we are are Protesting, how we are, you know, resisting, how we are coming together to rise up and, you know, defend those most vulnerable amongst us.
0: And that's Carlos Uribe, co chair of Oakland Pride. Uh, Fernando, let me go back to you. This is May, also. Can I actually
2: address both of those last two points?
0: Yeah, I'd like you to address them. I was just going to ask you just about something even more specific than that, but go ahead.
2: Sure. Uh, well, I think there's. One of the internal mottos that we have here at San Diego Pride is justice with joy. And it's that you don't have to pick one or the other. You can protest and you can celebrate. And in 2016, when 49 lives were taken too soon at Pulse, we led the parade with the 49 images of the faces of the people who were lost with their names and their ages written uh, boldly. And then last year, when we found ourselves in an epidemic of Black trans women being killed, we did the same. Uh, And and you can call it out, and you can also seek joy. You can seek justice, and you can seek joy. We, We worked with our state and local legislators last year during the epidemic of killings of Black trans women to have the reading of the names from the state floor at the Capitol of Sacramento, and have a, the session ended early in honor of those who had been killed. And we did the same here in the city of San Diego, and that was led by San Diego Pride, that we can pursue joy. We can want to dance in the streets and we can also call out for justice. And I think sometimes we think it has to be an either or, but we don't go through pain and suffering and struggle so we can continue to go through pain and suffering. We we suffer and we struggle and we fight. So we are in pursuit of joy
4: and liberation. And I think that both are important.
0: I think that's true. You can actually pair yeah, joy I, with I justice.
4: Appreciate, I appreciate that conversation. And I also know that the the joy seems to outshine uh, the, the, the other issues.
0: And, and so, Hawkins. Yeah.
4: I think that, you, you know, only we are now seeing it now, San Diego. I, I can't remember what your name is. But Fernando. Fernando, we are. Yes, we've always celebrated. When have we not celebrated? When have we not had the party? But this, what you're seeing with the Black Lives Matter issue, this is relatively new. This is global, worldwide, because people are fed up. And we have to be fed up. Pride has to be fed up. We have to do some things that make the the other issues rise above the party.
0: And but here's a key question, my- if I could go to you on this show, Hawkins, and that is... Uh, There's so much talk now about social change. Uh, We can talk about joy, but are you optimistic when you get right down to it? People seem to be listening more, more receptive. Uh, Does that really breed hope?
4: Yes. Yes. What I'm seeing is unprecedented. And I'm so happy. And at the same time, I'm also, we're testing people for COVID-19, and we're seeing higher rates of positives for black and brown people uh i'm still seeing people younger and young, younger coming to the center who are on the streets and we have no housing for them so i would like those issues to be pushed to the forefront because we know how to party But we definitely also knew how to protest and we need everyone on board to help to make these issues, push these issues to the forefront.
0: Yeah, we were talking earlier with uh, you, Carolyn Weisinger, about uh, the roots in Stonewall and the need for protest and so forth. Uh, Can you get that balance, uh, the pride movement, between protest and celebration and joy?
1: I think that we can get the balance. I think that we, you know, it's about figuring out the best way to carry out mission and vision and priorities. You know, I think that it, and to, to Carlos's point, we actually discussed, you know, how San Francisco pride is the last one of the last free prides, and about, you know, turning into the pay to, you know, pay to come model so that we can limit the amount of corporations. So we can make sure we in, in recent years, prior to my joining the board, You know, there was first the resistance contingent that was created. There was the attempt to put the nonprofit organizations ahead of the corporations. But there's also, there's still always the... there's still not quite the equity that I would like to see as far as nonprofit being able to afford to be in the parade. So that's something that we'll definitely be able to look at and address going forward since we are at a, a basically a stoppage. I, but I think it's, it's definitely going to take having a lot of conversations about how to find that joy and that justice. Because yes, to, to both to Fernando and Joe's point, we, we do have to definitely find a balance. I know, you know, back in the old days, people would protest and then go home and have a party a house party at the house. And it was probably to, you know, to get $5 from everybody to pay the rent because people couldn't afford to be out, you know, working for the community and then paying their rent. Mm. So it's definitely about finding a balance, but also for me it's about creating a structure where that focus on these lives continues. As I said, you know, as a board, I won't be here forever. I want to make sure that it, whoever is coming up behind me Whoever is joining the board in later years that we always remember to have that focus that eye on the prize of justice Um, And understanding that sometimes you can just change Sometimes you can change relationships Uh, You know when we talk about police presence in the parade we talk about corporations It's about relationships It's about changing the way that people show up It's about Mm -hmm. talking to our local legislatures about you know the rules around these parties in the street, (laughs) you know so all of those things, we all have to have our eye on the same goal of justice and pushing those issues to the forefront of the, of homelessness, of food shortages, of people who are now, we're gonna be looking at a huge loss of folks who even when we're months past COVID who still are not gonna be able to pay their rent, not gonna be able to buy food. So we have so many issues that we're gonna to have to focus on. And one thing that I love about all of our organizations is that we do try to, in every way we can put funds into that community. I, I had a friend one time, my friend Ebony Ava Hopper, and I, I will continue to say her name. She's a trans woman acting out of Sacramento. And she says one time on Facebook, if you see a, tra- a black trans woman, give her $20. And I said, well, Ebony, I don't have $20 to give her. But what I do have is I do have privilege and access to help her find somebody else's money to live. And so that's what I always seek to do, is if, if, if any money that, that I can get from San Francisco Pride to give to black trans folks, that's what I would like to do. When it came to the LGBT folks who were affi- affected by the COVID crisis, that's what we wanted to do. So I, I try to strike that balance. It's a privilege to, have, to be at the table with these organizations and say, give us money to give to our community. But they have to be also in community in concert with us in the goal that we have as far as making sure we're taking care of these issues.
0: And Carolyn, if I could, uh, all this is going to be up for discussion in the uh, Lavender Talk series and the kind of uh, celebrations that you're doing that include a lot of discussions and a lot of uh, panels, talks?
1: Absolutely. The Lavender Talks is something that we started in late May at at the kickoff of the, the celebration that we will continue through the summer months. Um, and a, a lot of the talks that you'll see on the live stream will live on on our YouTube channel. I encourage people to, to watch them. I was told last night that you know, someone was watching the Alicia Garza interview and that it was really powerful. So I encourage people, if you can't find the live stream, to go back and find them so we can continue to have these conversations. And to Fernando, I know, you know, I know Fernando and our executive director have, have been in conversations a lot. And we wanna do a better job of making sure that we're doing more throughout the year and not just focusing on the celebration. So a lot of that is having conversations and then going out and creating different initiatives that we can do in the community.
0: Well, I wish all of you good luck and I wish all of you great celebrating and joy, but also justice because that's indeed as important, maybe even more important than the joy. Thank you all for being a part of this program. I thank Carolyn Weisinger, who is board president of San Francisco Pride. Carolyn, good to have you. and. Let, let me thank the others. Let me thank Carlos Uribe, co-chair of Oakland Pride. Carlos, good to have you with us. Thank you. thank
5: you.
0: And Joe Hawkins, CEO and co-founder of Oakland LGBTQ Community Center and founding member of Oakland Pride. Joe Hawkins, good to have you. Thank you for being thank with you. us. And thank you, Fernando Z. lopez executive director of San Diego Pride. Appreciate your being with us. Fernando, thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you to our listeners. We're here with you Monday through Friday, and uh, we appreciate your listenership. Always want to hear from you. If you have something you'd like to tell us or let us know about Forum uh, in the future or past, you can email us, forum at kqed.org. And Forum is produced by Judy Campbell, Tina Larberg, Ariana Prail, and Blanca Torres. Senior editor is Dan Zoll. Our engineer is Danny Bringer. Our interns are Michael King and Jameson Weiss. Executive editor is Ethan Togan lindsey and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. And for all of us here... At KQED, I'm Michael Krasny.
5: Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio and the Germanicos Foundation and the Generosity Foundation.